kidnappers, I'm excited to introduce you to a new force in storytelling, a dear friend of mine, Katie Levin. You're going to hear her later on this year on Snap Judgment Live. But this story, it's about one of those times when you try to do something good. Please do note that some of the names and identifying details in this story have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Snap Judgment. So when I told people that I wanted to be a social worker, um, there was this thing that people would sometimes say. Um, they would say, oh, you're going to be a baby snatcher. And for many social workers, that is that is not true. Social workers do a lot of other things. Uh, but when I started in social work, um, that was exactly the kind of social worker um, I was going to be. Um, I was going to be the kind that sometimes had to take kids out of their homes. The story is that I signed a deal, which was that in exchange for a stipend that was going to pay for my grad school, I would work for Child Protective Services for two years afterwards. Um, And Child Protective Services, CPS, those are the people who sometimes take babies. I mean, I was totally unprepared. And I probably possessed very few of the skills needed to do it. So my first year of grad school was split. You you split up your week between being in school where you're pretending to be a therapist with your classmates and your professors watch you pretend to be a therapist and then tell you how to give a better therapist performance. And then the other half of the time you're at your uh, internship, which is where you play therapist, but the people are real and you are pretending into their real lives and real problems. It's just one of those things you have to do to do it. So you can't practice being a therapist without being a therapist. It's like being a doctor. You have to have your first surgery at some point. You have to start at the beginning. And it's terrifying, but there's no way to skip to the middle. My internship was in a part of town um, that was well known for for a lot of gang violence, for underfunded schools, um, for being a tough area. What I would essentially do in all of my sessions is do my best impression of my own therapist. She was very good at nodding. She was very good at sitting and saying nothing. And I would ask people, when in doubt, I would, you know, ask them, hmm, how do you feel about that? This was a no-fee clinic. They paid zero dollars for the services they received. The work was meaningful. I was, I was in people's lives and learning about them and sometimes maybe even being useful. Um, but for the most part, I felt like a fraud. Um, anything good that happened felt like happenstance or like something someone would have arrived at on their own. Um, And so I did a lot of dressing up for the part. I got a lot of new, like, baby's first real job clothes beforehand. I had some real stupid blazers. I had a, a real stupid tan blazer and a navy pencil skirt that I would rock maybe 30% of the time. A variety of, um, like, sweater t-shirts. 
So I was almost done with my first year there. I had maybe a month left to go, and my supervisor who who assigned us our cases told me she she had one last client she wanted me to see. Oh, you're going to be out of here in a month. That's perfect. This little girl's not going to take that long. Just see her for a bit. She was, she had a pretty serious face. She was a sturdy kid. Um, and she had one of those faces that you can already see what it's going to look like when she grows up. You know, at 11, she looked probably how she was going to look at 40. So she was mandated by the courts to come to treatment. She had gotten into a situation that I can sort of but not totally tell you about. So she was living with her dad and her stepmom. And they took her to the doctor for some routine visit. And while she's talking with the doctor, she says something about her stepmom like, she scrapes on me. And the doctor, who is a mandated reporter, decides this sounds enough, like maybe it's child abuse, that that he needs to make a report. And so he reports the child abuse to Child Protective Services. And what happens is pretty routine. Child Protective Services comes out, they chat with everybody in the house. She's got to talk to everybody and say, we'll let you know if anything further is going to happen. But rather than things sort of ending there, what happens is that her father is is sort of so upset that this little girl invited this this investigation into the family that he really beats her. And it's not a question mark anymore. Somebody at church actually sees the bruises. They call CPS. CPS is is back at the house in no time. And, and it's a very different kind of visit when they come back. Um, so they are grabbing this girl, taking her out of the house, not asking a lot of questions, not checking things to be cautious. They are um, removing a kid from what from what seems like a, a physically violent situation. They are grabbing her. They are hauling her out before she can grab pajamas or hug anyone goodbye. So by the time this little girl comes to me, um, the court has put her with her maternal grandmother. And it's a really different situation being at grandma's house than it was at at her house. She and grandma um, literally don't speak the same language. And, you know, this little girl used to have her own room at her house with her dad and her stepmom, and now she's sharing a room with grandma and often ends up having to share a bed with grandma. She hates her grandma's food. She hates her new school. She hates um, these supervised visits she has to go on and the lady who, who comes to watch them, watch her interact with her dad. And so we talk about all of that, but, but more than anybody as the sort of villain in this situation, as the, the villain in the story of this little girl's life, we talk about the social worker who took her out of her house. As we're drawing each other pictures and and chatting about how much she wants to go home, um, I I am the only one of the two of us who knows that I am about to be the exact kind of social worker as the one who took her out of her house. On our last day, we we spend a little time talking about saying goodbye to each other. Um, I tell her how I'll be sad to not see her anymore. And for the first time, she asks me where I'm going next. She actually wants to know what my what my next job will be. 
she looked up from her drawing and and she was she was serious but she was interested and 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 her eyes were curious as she was looking at me so i decided to tell her the truth i told her I, that when i left this job my next job would be um, the kind of social worker who takes kids out of their houses. She didn't move. She kept her eyes steadily on me. And, and she said, huh, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I was so impressed and also terrified by this. So I told her that I had a lot of different feelings about it, that part of me thought it was a really good and important job and that I'd be helping keep kids safe, and that part of me worried that I would be hurting families, that I'd be hurting moms and dads and kids. Then I asked her if there was anything she wanted me to know. I asked her if there was anything that she wished that the social worker who took her from her house knew. She doesn't just tell me, like, I don't know, and, and go back to what she's drawing. She tells me to just let a kid take their time. She says, you know how I wish I had all my things from my house? Let a kid get her bunny if she sleeps with a bunny. And if she has brothers and sisters there, let her, let her give them a hug goodbye and, and hug her mom and dad and just let her take her time. So I tell her that I will. And that was the end of our session and the end of our time together. She went back to her grandmother's house and I started my work at CPS. I thought about that conversation a lot. I felt like it was something I could do. I felt like I could be good to my word on that and, and let a kid take their time and not add to their trauma. Yeah. Then I started my my next year's internship at CPS in the Emergency Response Division. I was knocking on a lot of doors and asking strangers a lot of personal questions. I started carrying crayons in my purse, and I spent a lot of time sort of sitting on floors of apartments with kids waiting to find out what was going to happen next. Pretty much from the beginning, I know that it's not going to be a fit for me. You know, almost as soon as I start at CPS, I, I can see the, the burnout and the sadness and the secondary trauma that, that the other workers are going through. Um, and I can also see people who are made to do this job, people who are beautiful, patient, hard-working, child-protecting angels. But I know that if I stay, I'm not going to be in that amazing camp. That is not going to be what happens to me. Uh, so I, after six weeks, I quit. And in the same conversation where I tell my supervisor I'm going to quit, I tell her that before I go, I want to go on a removal. I want to be a part of taking kids out of their house. And I don't tell her why. I don't tell her that I have this promise to an 11-year-old to keep. So the kids that I go to remove are, are really little. 
there's there's a baby, a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-year-old. And so that's the only reason they even let me go, is that they need extra bodies to help with all these kids. It's a warm fall day. We piled into two county-issued sedans. We headed over to a single-room occupancy hotel that was kind of right next to the freeway. Um, and when we got there, a couple police officers joined so that there were six of us all together. And I am jockeying for position, trying to get next to the social worker who's knocking on the door. But I can't. I'm, I'm kind of stuck in the back. Social worker knocks on the door and the mom answers. And as soon as the worker explains why we're there and, and that we will be taking the kids with us, um, it gets super chaotic and the kids are crying and um, screaming. The mother is yelling and it all goes really quickly. One of the other workers is saying, you know, the mom's upset, get everybody out of here, get them out of here as fast as you can. And I, you know, from the back, I'm sort of yelling, but nobody hears me over all of this sort of tumult that's going on. I never even see what happens to the six-year-old. Somebody is taking the two-year-old by the hand. Someone uh, someone else is trying to give the mom paperwork. Um, the cops are trying to manage sort of everybody's moving bodies and, and stay in between. In the chaos of all of this, somebody hands me the baby. And the baby is probably the only sort of calm one. And they hand him to me, and I kind of pull him in close. And... Um, a worker, you know, is saying to me, like, come on, get the baby outside, we gotta go. Um, and I start I start to go, you know, sort of yell back. I said, does, uh, does the baby have a bottle? Does he have a, does he have a bottle that I can take with him? And this time the mom does hear me. And so um, she grabs some, you know, half-full bottle from the counter and passes it down the line of workers to give to me. take the baby and I take the bottle and so as I'm walking with the baby outside you know I tell him um, that I'm really sorry and that I I really wanted to get him his little baby things you know I wish I'd gotten you your, your hat and your blanket and I'm really sorry I sit down on the hood of the county car with this baby, and he starts fussing. And I slow down for a second, and I really look at him, and I take this bottle that his mom gave him, and we spend a few minutes where I just feed him quietly on the hood of this car outside the hotel where he'd been living. And um, I kind of rock and hold him and he spits up all over my dumb work blazer that I bought to look like a real professional. And then he goes to sleep.
Katie Levitt. Thank you again, Katie Levitt, for that story. And thank you to everyone out there working to keep kids safe. The original score and sound design was by Leon Morimoto. It was produced by Anna Sussman.